This is the Tame Aperture Podcast. Open the pod bay doors, Cal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the Tame Aperture Podcast, where we talk all things movies for first-time directors, indie, art house, and much, much more. You can join us at tameaperture.com for previous episodes and to give us suggestions on films to watch for future episodes. This week on the podcast, we talk the 2010 French independent film Rubber by Quentin Dupois about a tire that comes to life and kills people through its psychokinetic powers. I'm Gabe Bienendahl, filmmaker, film instructor, and movie enthusiast, and I'm joined tonight by veteran podcaster, editor, co-host of the Tame Aperture Podcast, Alan Martindale. Alan, how the hell are you tonight? Well, Gabe... We are a long way away from the Criterion Collection right now. Yeah, it, and I, interesting, <laughs> interestingly enough, you would think with a, a French filmmaker, you might actually be bleeding back into the Criterion Collection. Right, right. And I do, before we uh, really get going, I want, to, um, I want to give a shout out. My, my good friend C.D. Reddish recommended this movie. He does, a, he does a fun podcast called Messing with Mormons. And it is, it's, it's so much fun. It's kind of like a free form uh, podcasting. He does it with a couple of the dudes who are really good guys. And he came in, he gave us a, a bunch of recommendations, but this one stuck out to me because I've seen it before and I, I wanted to watch it again and kind of just figure out if it was as weird as I remember it. And it is every bit as strange as I remember it being. Well, that's what I wanted to, to, to start off with. First off, how are you holding up? with the uh the quarantine surprisingly not too bad uh I, i'm podcasting a lot and i'm kind of i'm keeping myself busy and just basically sitting around getting fatter all the time that's what i feel like i feel like i've probably gained like five to ten pounds over the last two weeks easy dude i see all these people on social media who are working out every day and they're doing all this stuff and i can't do it i don't know what it is i can't do it I feel like, you know what today felt like? Today felt like the longest day ever and also got nothing done. Like I feel like <laughs> I feel like it never ended. I had so many things that I needed to do and get done and now here it is and I feel like nothing got accomplished. Even though like I was do- even me. though I was doing things. Does that make, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it feels like now I'm looking back like what just happened today? Nothing. Nothing happened. <laughs> It's like every day for me nowadays. It's just like Groundhog Day. Every day it's like, all right, I got all the shit I got to do and nothing gets done. You know, flash forward to 10 p.m. and it's like, wait, what, the day's over? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you're, you're gaining weight as am I. And, and uh, as each podcast progresses in this quarantine, we'll just yeah. get fatter and fatter. <laughs> Dude, we could time lapse it. It'll be awesome. Yes. <laughs> I'm literally, I think I'm up, I'm, I think I'm up 10 LBs. That's where I think I'm at. I'm, I'm at least 10, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Without a doubt. That's why we're changing these profiles of the cameras. You've noticed <laughs> right. the profiles are changing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I'm glad you, you chose this film. A lot of interesting things going on. I'm actually going to, I want to kind of toss the reins over to you and kind of have, have you walk us through this one. And uh, I've got some notes here and some things I want to talk about, but it sounds like it was based off a recommendation from a buddy. Shout out to him. Um, I had also seen the movie when it had first came out on DVD back in, I don't know, 2011, 2012, something to that effect. And 
uh, I remember it because it's not forgettable. <laughs> but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I don't remember everything after this rewatch, and so that kind of refreshed, some, kind of jarred some of my uh, eccentric notions about what this thing is. So why don't you dive into it and give us a kind of start us out on this one, man? Well, first of all, the the marketing, if you can call it that, like the poster and the trailer, very misleading. It's it's. It, I mean, it is what the trailer says. It's a killer tire, but it's not an exciting movie. It's not like it's not one of those quirky, weird movies. It's just kind of there's some random bunch of random weird stuff happening. And uh, I, I it's it's fun. And I, I don't I, I was trying to I watched it with with Jess, my girlfriend, and I'm, I'm trying to work my way through it because I didn't dislike it, but I didn't really love it and it's not it's not a bad movie but it's not good and i don't really know how i feel about it it's it's uh this is probably the the second and a half time i've seen it i watched it once and i think i tried to rewatch it again but i couldn't get through it and this time obviously i made it all the way through i got some stuff to say about it but i mean when you first saw this movie what what were your thoughts when you're walking out of the theater or, or after it came out, uh, after the DVD turned off or whatever it was? What, what did you think about it? Initial thoughts. I think, you know, that's, that's almost a decade ago. I, if, if I'm trying to recall what I thought, I, I think I remember seeing, uh, I, I'm wishing I could have had the time back. Yeah. And initially, yeah. like, I'm like, what, what? I think as I've, over the last nine or 10 years, like, there's a little bit different nuance to it that I can appreciate. And so it's like you said, it's kind of a middle ground. I don't know where to sit on it. I think I've probably grown. I think it's like everything, though, with the exception of a few movies that we've that we've covered. I always we I feel like mostly we always kind of we always we always kind of uh, sympathize and then end up liking it more than we originally thought we would have. Yeah, I think for me, this one has a little bit of that for me. But I think as it starts out, the movie starts out, there's kind of two things going on. And I think now I understand a little bit more about what he's doing. Whereas before, when I first saw it, I thought, well, I don't get it so much. And it was kind of dumb. And I wish I had the time back. Whereas now when he identifies things happening for no reason, just because they can and they are what they are, like I'm, I'm kind of on board with that in a more in a more loose way now than I probably was the first time I saw it. I like the idea of the no reason thing. I just feel like just because you kind of it, it's kind of your mission statement going into the movie doesn't mean you have to have totally random stuff. It, it almost felt like because it's a no reason movie and they've they've established that that they just were throwing in random stuff just cuz and it just felt like a little forced, some of the things. Not all of it, but some of the things. I mean, he's I right on like... the nose. For those listening, like the very beginning, you have the main, one of the main characters, besides the tire, which we'll get, which we'll get into. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> besides Robert. But Chad, who's a sheriff, who basically breaks the fourth wall and begins to, to break down what the film is. And it has no purpose. It has no reason. And it, he identifies cinematic... Uh, some of them masterpieces of the past. He talks about E.T. He, I can't remember the other films that he talks about, but he just talks about why 
the one I specifically remember is him saying, why is E.T., uh, what does he say, brown? Yeah, why is he brown? <laughs> and there's no reason. And, and then he keeps identifying all these things. And he's, he's kind of a mixture of a character in the film and also a narrator. And uh, by breaking the fourth wall, you immediately, I think for me, it takes me out of it. And not necessarily a bad way, but I just kind of, it's like I release myself to what the world could be. I know everything mm -hmm. is, is going to be satirical. I know everything's going to be so outlandish and, and far from reality and far from a real world that I can probably accept just about anything. And so for me, breaking it up that way and breaking the fourth wall right out the gate, it, and doing so in a way that he does with Chad, who plays the sheriff or is the sheriff, uh, it kind of works for me. It's like you look at something like I'll use a more common example, but like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like he breaks the fourth wall, but the world stays real. And, and the mm -hmm. world stays relatable. It doesn't ever, you, you are Ferris. You become that character and you can believe the things that are happening. Whereas for some reason, the way he's got this stylized, it just opens the floodgates. And so the no reason is all about style and direction. You know, like how am I going to tell the story? Because the story's not over, overwhelmingly potent. It's not the strongest story in the world. Right. So stylistically, how can I make this thing work? And I think from that angle, he does really good. It's, it's filmed well. I think mean, technically he's a, he's a hell of a filmmaker when he's, you're figuring out how to set up a story like this and actually make it run for 85 minutes. I think he, he's, he's a hell of a filmmaker in that regard. But kind of getting back to that beginning, once he breaks the fourth wall, uh, I'm kind of in and out of it, if that makes sense. I'm, yeah. I'm not locked in. Uh, I can pop in and out when I want and I don't feel obligated and, and like stunned to just be able to want to keep watching. If I pop out or check out or for 30 seconds because I'm thinking about something else, I can do that and I can come You're right back in. You're not missing anything. And I, don't, right. yeah, and I don't feel. So that's kind of how I felt this time going into it versus the last time where I just felt like it was a complete waste of my time. I don't think it was a waste of my time. I just felt like I could pop in and out of, out of consciousness for, <laughs> for moments at a time. But yeah, I mean, I, I found myself desperately trying to figure, like find meaning in this, even though they tell you from the get-go, there's no reason behind any of this. Like th that monologue, and, and he talks about love story, and of course he talks about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I loved. And uh, he talks about all these other great movies where things happen in them and there's just no reason for it at all. And even though they tell you straight up, I, I still was looking like I was looking like, what does this character symbolize? And, and what is this? What, you know, what are these people symbolize? And so I, I was desperately trying to find reason in a movie where they were just like, there's no, there's don't overthink it basically. Yeah. Like but he, then it's, it's almost like, it's, why, why make that movie then? Like, why just make random shit? It's almost that idea where, someone tells you not to do something so you do it right you know, like, right there's no reason and then you go well maybe there is and you try or, to be or are you just trying to trick me yeah type of thing yeah, yeah. exactly are you pulling is there a curtain here trying to do a magic trick and like what are right. you really doing behind there to try to tell me there's no reason um but i really honestly believe that he there is no reason yeah no i, I the more i think about it the more i i totally agree there's no reason for a lot of it i 
there's some funny stuff in here. Like I really enjoyed at the very beginning when the car is driving up and the the car swerves to make sure to hit every single chair. And I I, th- I don't know what that was. I don't know why, but I just thought that was comedic. It's so long. It one. takes so long. The opening it takes so long. It's like 45 and it's one of those seconds. things where it's like, and th- that's the thing. This whole movie is just shots that go on too long and in th- seg- segments that go on too long. And it just kind of, it, it just, at points I'm like, okay, I get it. Let's, let's keep moving. Like at the end with the tricycle, how many shots of the tricycle rolling down the street do we need? And each one of those are like 20 second shots. It's like, okay, let's, let's keep going. But, um, that said, I, I really enjoyed parts of this movie when it, this is going to sound strange, but when they were sticking with Robert, the tire, I was in like, there's a story there. And I actually thought that was pretty cool. Cause they took this inanimate object and they, they built a story around it. And obviously it's a tire, so it has no dialogue, but you, you knew and you could follow this, this thing's storyline. Like basically it was born or created or whatever. And then it kind of turned into a serial killer. Like it starts torturing animals first. And, and even at the beginning, right when it wakes up, it's almost like a baby giraffe trying to find its legs. It's trying to figure out how to roll. And then it's trying to, it's interacting with different objects. It's interacting with the, the water bottle and um then the the scorpion and and it kind of keeps building on this and you can kind of it seems like a child discovering its world and i i liked that and then like you see it drinking out of a puddle i thought that was funny and i i liked the story of robert it sounds weird but i really enjoyed that when when the story was focused on him i i enjoyed the movie a lot it's when it goes to all the other stuff that it lost me yeah i don't think the plot is misleading you look at Robert, who's this inanimate tire. The first thing my wife, the first thing my wife asked me is, "What kind of tire is it?" And I was, I, <laughs> I said, "I think that's a that could be Goodyear or Michelin. I don't, I don't know." Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to. It actually doesn't really have any kind of uh, imprint on it. But no, in I, fact, they even say it's unbranded. Yeah, <laughs> unbranded tires don't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But. I th- yeah, I think you're right from the plot perspective, you know, I mean, I think it's like we taught it's it's a satirical approach to an essence of horror films, which is somebody enigmatically or something enigmatically comes to life and becomes murderous. You know, like that's not an uncommon theme. You could look at a lot of horror films and it, it there's a mystery to it where we're not sure what it is. Is it is it? Is it otherworldly? Is it spiritual? Is it whatever? But something gets breath brought into it and then something happens and it grows and changes and eventually is homicidal. Right. You know what I mean? The difference in this case is he's saying it's a rubber tire. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like I liked that, that, that that's what, what the character was. I enjoyed that. I don't know what it is. He, he crushes the water bottle. He crushes the scorpion. Um, he can't crush the beer bottle, but then realizes he has the ability to, you know, right. the, the, the telekinetic or the psychokinetic powers to blow it up or explode it. So, um, I mean, yeah, the plot points are there. Um, he, I think as it goes on, the next thing he runs into is some, what I was trying to figure out is like with the woman, like, so he goes, he's growing, he's learning. And then all of a sudden he runs across some woman who he tries to kill but for some reason can't and all he does is 
dis, uh, disarms or, or stalls her car. And this cause, I, I guess this causes intrigue now because that's a plot point for him to keep following this woman later on. Yeah, to me, it was almost like, a, and this is where I think they really could have gone down the horror uh, pathway because it felt like a Michael Myers type thing when he sees Laurie Strode and then he starts stalking her. And it felt like that's kind of what this was. And he, his, his attempt to kill her was thwarted by this truck driver with this guy in the truck. And, uh, and so then that becomes the mission. But the problem is they go away from the story. It would have been fun if he was following her around more. And then, uh, but then it almost like the plot with Robert almost becomes the B plot. And the, the, the woman who's basically, I thought was going to be set up as like the prototypical final girl in a horror movie. Like she's dropped out of the story until the end. Yeah. Because, and then we're, we're, well, then he's that? got this audience. So you got two perspectives. You have the traditional movie that's happening using Robert as the monster. And then mm -hmm. you have outside of that spectators who are watching a movie about Robert becoming a monster. Right. And the movie is just them with, with binoculars in the, in the middle of the desert, a group of people in the middle of the desert, holding binoculars, watching the story unfold. And, and this is where I think, I guess he's trying to attach some kind of, uh, create some kind of attachment between the audience. In other words, those spectators to me kind of become, you know, how we're viewing what's happening, you know, uh, as, as the film's going on, because he starts it, it, on the nose type things. They're saying things that we're probably thinking. Right, right. You know, like, okay, this doesn't make sense, or this is how you do it. He, he's, he's putting through these spectators who are in the middle of the desert using binoculars to watch Robert supposedly um they're kind of they're kind of our pov in in some regard and i i would have been okay if they would have kept it that way if if they would have had like the audience kind of as a backdrop in the b plot like not even a plot but almost just as in the background they cut away to them sometimes i would have been okay but then they have this whole storyline with the audience where they get poisoned and then like it just it keeps going and going and going and i'm just like what I was kind of interested in this thing. I was fine with the audience being there. I actually kind of like that that uh, that plot point or that trope or whatever. But it just they dove too much into it, and then they focused too much on that. And it was kind of it. It took me out of it. I, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying the quirkiness and the weirdness of it. And then it just they just took off with this random part that I don't even think had to be there, and it was a little annoying. Honestly, every time it would go back to the audience and stick with them for a while, I was annoyed. I wanted to get back to Robert. Yeah, I agree. Because eventually we kind of lose a little bit of the curiosity that we have surrounding Robert because we're jumping in and out of it so much. And what's funny and, and kind of silly and fun to watch is all the stuff that Robert's doing. And then when you take us away from that, uh, the interest gets lost. Because it, we do see a little progression in Robert. He grow, He's just taking people out, essentially. He's just, he's blowing them up. <laughs> yeah. And, at some point he basically takes out an entire town. Yeah. He mass he's, murders everybody. He's rolling through. He sees, uh, he sees, a, 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 I guess it's a junkyard or a tire yard and they're, 
<laughs> that <laughs> part was so it's such a good motivating thing like see what i'm great. talking about there there's so much good stuff with robert like that was such a good mode as soon as i saw those guys burning the tires i was like oh shit yeah oh he's gonna be pissed and he has this great shot where it, he, he plays it out real well in the timing too because robert rolls up to a fence he can't get past the fence and on the other side of the fence is this pile of tires with these guys just throwing tires into a fire, burning rubber. And then there's this shot that, that cuts back through the tires and into Robert. And it's this long pause as he's, quote unquote, looking at all his friends being destroyed. And oh it's, it's, it's so pretty funny. hilarious. And I want so funny. Like you're saying, like I wanted to see more of those kind of things and see more of the progression of Robert build up. Because eventually, as Robert's going through the town, he's taken out a few people here and there. But after he comes across that group of people burning the tires, he it, it, this was funny because then it jumps to a three-day-later cut. And an entire town is like dead. He's gone on a killing spree for revenge against those that have been murdered, uh, his comrades. <laughs> and, and then afterwards he's sitting there watching a nascar race which i thought was classic that was funny too and that's what i mean all these little moments and i think with the spectators it pulled me out i can appreciate the idea of what he's trying to do with the spectators but i agree with you i think ultimately it's too much and too often and then pulls me away from the silliness and the satirical nature of what of what the story is which is robert as a tire killing people. And that's, yeah, exactly. And that's why, um, that's why I, I just, I can't remember what I was going with that, but yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree. Like it's, you have this, this great stuff going on with him. And then the audience is just like, like let's, this is when I started to question, like there's gotta be a reason. There's gotta be a metaphor. He's trying to say something with the audience because we're spending so much time with them. And so I, that's when I was like, okay, they, they said there's no reason for anything, but I mean, there's, this is obviously a deliberate thing. He's going, he's going hard on, um, like when uh, I love it when, and I don't know who the guy is, but the guy who passed out the binoculars to everybody, he's, he's almost like, he's an accountant of some sorts. Is he an account? Okay. He's yeah. an accountant. And after the first night, when everyone, when he's waking everybody up in the morning, to watch the to watch the movie again, the quote unquote movie, and he's hitting people with the briefcase before he wakes them up. He's going through their shit and he's stealing their money, and I thought that was a cool little thing. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe he's trying to say something about like the movie industry that these studio execs are just trying to steal the audience. You know, I was I was going through this rabbit hole in my mind, and it just doesn't add up. It just doesn't hold water. Well, I don't think you're far off there. I really don't. I think that could be something you could pull away. I think that's a fair interpretation. Because ultimately, uh, the, the accountant, uh, he kills himself because right. he goes and feeds. Right. So the concept is like he brings the, the, the audience or the spectators are starving. They haven't eaten in days. They're waiting for food. And the accountant brings them food and the food is poisoned. In other words, right. the food is shit. Right. Well, not only that, but the food is a turkey he's got a live turkey in his hotel room the night before. And it's like, why the hell does he have a live turkey there? Then the next day he's basically killed and cooked the turkey and is just feeding. He drops it on the floor and says food. And they all start. It's like a pack of hyenas trying to get at this turkey. And well, and, and here it was the, the way he filmed that though was completely zombie esque. 
Yes. It, 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 was, re- it was resembling a zombie film where there's that crazy uh, uh, flesh-ripping blood, all that kind of... that. The way it was filmed with the close-ups and the little bit of the movement of the camera was a complete kind of homage replica to what you would imagine a zombie scene, you know, like Night of the Living Dead or something to that effect. Yeah, that, may, that makes sense because I was actually more thinking along the lines of like a pride of lions or, or hyenas in the, in the, in the Sahara or something. I, I didn't think about that. That actually makes a lot more sense now that you say that. No, I was going to say, hear me out. Cause I don't think your interpretation is far off. Cause he, uh, you know, there might be something there. And like, we always, we're stretching it. We don't know. Ultimately the filmmaker is the filmmaker. And that's the beauty of watching film as an art is that we, me and you and everybody can interpret things as we see them and discuss them like we're doing. But I don't think you're far off. Potentially, I'm, I'm liking this angle that you're taking because ultimately the accountant kills off the spectators by poisoning them with bad shit. OK, well, the studios oftentimes infiltrate us with a bunch of shitty movies, right? <laughs> killing us off. And then ultimately it kills themselves. Right. They 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 have, you know, you. So there's a little bit of something there. And then you have the old wise spectator who didn't take all the, the food and didn't get poisoned and is telling the, 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 telling the film later on how to end it and where the plot points should be and what the story structure should be. And then at the very end of the film, and I'll just jump the gun on it, they're in Hollywood. Like Robert gets, we'll get into this, but Robert dies and then gets resurrected, <laughs> basically <laughs> uh, uh, reincarnated is probably the better word. But it gets reincarnated and then they end up going to Hollywood. Right. So uh, with his clan of 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 misfits that of other tires and things like that. So <laughs> I mean, like a, there's there's there might be tires. something there that you're that you're finding that that there is a little bit of reason. And he's giving a little punch or a little nod to the the craziness of what Hollywood is. But here's where I lose it, though, because. When they don't, it, they they were killing off the audience so they didn't have to keep doing the movie, essentially. And I, I can't find a parallel to what that would be in the movie business. And then, not only that, but when they don't succeed in killing everybody, they still keep trying to kill that one old wise guy. And then, and then I thought it was a pretty funny, funny situation when he's trying, he's trying to get the old guy to eat and he ends up eating the food himself and just talking about himself like that was a comical thing I, I couldn't tell if he forgot that the food was poisoned or if he just didn't care it was just the way he did it though the way that was acted was was brilliant i think that to me uh, was the, the only really sharp acting of the whole film <laughs> i agree 100 percent. i agree with you i think that was a, that, where he's in pain and he's like oh i forgot the turkey was poisoned and it's very good it's raw <laughs> it's real it's comical <laughs> but also dramatic in its own way and, right. And uh, I, I got to I got to ask you, because I think that ultimately that was the only real good acting. So Chad, who we're also kind of following the film through, who's the sheriff, he's on he's hunting. He's searching for Robert the tire, uh, tracking him down to try to find out who's causing all these murders or who's committing all these murders. And I thought, well, I got to ask you about the acting about uh, Sheriff Chad. You got to you got to give me your your four one your 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 definition of this guy's acting. I liked I liked the monologue he did and I liked it when he was in the van 
with uh with the with the woman trying to kind of coach her along. I thought that was kind of funny. But other than that, he really didn't leave any sort of impression on me. I, I don't think he was good. I don't think he was necessarily bad. It was just, I mean, he's just, I was more just focused on the bizarreness of the story and I didn't really pay much attention to him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, and I only bring it up because I don't think that he was bad. It's not as though I looked at his acting and said, oh, wow, that's really bad. Um, but it was so neutral that Robert yes, Tire was better than he was. Yes, Honestly, whoever was operating, and I don't know how, I, 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 I heard they used some remote controls for the tire, and but however they operated him and whoever was operating him, I think did a really good job. Like I, it's it's very weird to think that it's a tire. He can't emote. He can't do anything. But I was invested in the storyline. I thought whoever it was almost like puppetry. That's what my girlfriend said. She's like, it's it's like puppetry. Yeah, and it's it kind definitely of felt got like a little bit of of artistry to it. And then also, I think what lends itself into creating those those kind of feelings is I think it's actually shot really well in terms of the coverage. And then of course, I think what lends itself strongly into it is is uh, I think Quentin's a good editor too because you watch how the film's put together, and I think it's structured well and editorially has really good choices. So I think in a combination of those three things, it makes Robert the Tire actually uh, a stronger actor than Chad the Sheriff. I agree. And also the sound design I thought was really good. The sounds in the desert were great. Obviously, the, the crunching of Robert rolling over the sand was really good. Uh, I thought the sound design was real. That really is kind of what sucked me into that world before we got into the whole audience thing. Yeah, I mean, with your main character having no dialogue, the sound's going to become even that much more crucial. So right, I, I, right. I agree. So ultimately Robert figures out he can kill people. He's gone through uh, kind of a, I don't know that it's a love interest, but he's tried to kill this woman. It didn't take, he's followed her or at least ends up in the same motel as she is. And um, he tries to, to enter the, the uh, he sees the same woman showering. So it's like this shower scene. But well, like I love that spying. she's going to get in the shower and she leaves the, the door, her front door cracked open. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> Plot convenience. Well, I got to say, I mean, it takes place in a desert town. So I'm watching this, right? I'm watching this again after a decade and I'm going, I know where this is. I know where they filmed this movie. Really? 100%. Because I lived there. You lived in that town? So I, I swear to you... This is I and I was looking at this. I'm going. That's Palmdale, so Palmdale is about 50 miles north of Hollywood, right in Southern California, and that's where I lived. I lived when I worked at the LA Film School. I lived in Palmdale, and I kept seeing all the shots: the Joshua trees, the high desert, all the stuff. I'm like, that is so Palmdale. I guarantee that's Palmdale. There's no way that's not. And after I watched it, I went and did my research, and I'm like. Sure as shit. That's Palmdale in Lancaster, California. Crazy. So they filmed it Cra in a place that I lived for four years. And I was like, that was, that was, it was interesting. It was kind of a side note that I was like, I knew that was it. But they're in this desert town. He, he's in a small motel. So I agree with you. No one leaves their shower door open. I will say, you know, it's the middle of the high desert and it's in the middle of nowhere. Maybe she felt safe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Well, and I did like the audience commentary when they're when they're kind of commenting on her because I did feel like something. If you're watching a movie with people, that they would say, like one person's like, "Oh, she got a terrible ass," but 
she's got a great rack on her, you know, and like they're disagreeing and objectifying. And that does feel like a, a, an authentic audience experience. Yeah. And I think that's what I mean, too, about the POV from the spectators, from the audience, is that we're kind of seeing it as almost or some people are seeing it as they would see it. Um, yeah. They're in this motel. Uh, Robert the Tired gets a room next to the woman and he starts he takes a shower. That, that was the funniest thing to me when the, when the maid comes in and she pulls back the, the shower curtain and he's just sitting there taking a shower. I thought that was so freaking hilarious. She throws him out. She, th- she doesn't, of course, she just thinks it's a tire. Right. She throws him out and then he <laughs> blows her head up. <laughs> I did like how they, how they filmed Robert's um, psychokinetic abilities. Like, I thought they yes. filmed him really good. I thought the special effects were funny. The way they cut it, the way that you would see his buildup and some of the CGI and some of the, I guess, the artistry or the, the remote mechanics that they used. You'd see him, like, building up and you'd hear the sound effects and then they'd cut back and forth and before you know it, someone's head's blowing off. Right. <laughs> and right. they did a good job. I really liked technically how they did that. Well, and with the animals, it looked very real. Like when he was blowing up that, that rabbit and a couple other things, it looked real. And I, 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 obviously it wasn't because they'd get in a lot of trouble, but I want to know exactly how they blended that to look so, so realistic. And also with, with his whole telekinesis thing, I think it would have been fun to see him rolling through that town later when he's killing everybody, just blowing people up left and right. I thought, I think they could have had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, like have a carry moment where it just all comes to yes. an end and it just goes crazy. Exactly. Back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that would have been so much fun. You, you just you just want to see that blood. You just want to see that I love blood. the gore, man. I I can't help it. It's in it's in my blood. I just I love seeing gore. So after Robert takes a shower and then kills the maid, uh basically Chad is still on the hunt. So he's seeing people dying he's following them up he's trying to figure out who's doing it he's following uh the the clues as they were um that he has he does an interrogation he goes to the motel owner um he leads the cops on a tire hunt <laughs> he's this is our suspect and he pulls out a tire and everyone just completely accepts it <laughs> And I think even one of them mentions something about brand or what kind of tire yeah. it is. He's like, what kind of tire is it? They're all serious about it. <laughs> Which I thought was good. Like if, if, uh, if you have Chad come out and throw a tire out there and show everybody a picture of the suspect and everyone laughs entirely, then maybe it doesn't, it doesn't sit as well. I liked that everyone right. at least initially kind of was into it. Like, okay, let's find this killer. <laughs> yeah. It, ma- it makes the world a little bit more believable. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, like we talked about, this is where Robert kind of goes. He sees the the, the, the tires getting burned, and the, and then goes on a killing spree. And then Chad tracks him down finally after the killing spree. Like you were mentioning, he it, it he shows Robert sitting on the couch watching NASCAR. <laughs> I just, it's so hilarious. It it was really actually really funny. And once again, like we we'll, we said this before, but I think this is what makes the film fun. And every time they cut to the spectators or the audience, I, I get lost. I don't care. Yes. I don't care. Um, I, I like I did like it at the beginning, like I said, when they're just kind of when it felt like uh, a stand in for for us, the audience. You know, I like that. But then 
gets the poisoning and all that. It's just. But once the audience is killed off and there's only one guy left, it's the guy in the wheelchair. He's the only audience member left. Um, And the ending kind of starts to dry up for me. It goes Mm -hmm. really long. And as a matter of fact, the guy in the wheelchair. So what's happening is Chad tracks down Robert to the. The, the the another another motel or another house I know it's like a it's like a trailer uh, home tracks him down and uh, rigs a mannequin that resembles the woman that Robert followed at the beginning and he's got the woman Chad the sheriff has the woman with him and they rig a mannequin with a speaker on it and they try to lure Robert out of the trailer home so that uh, because the, the mannequin also has explosives tied around it. So they're right. trying to blow up, they're trying to blow up the tire. It's the most convoluted <laughs> plan to get this inanimate object. I've, I, you could ever conceive of two in, inanimate objects trying to destroy <laughs> each other. <laughs> it's ridiculous, which, but which, that's, it's fun when you talk about it is funny. But the ending dries up after the initial kind of absurdity of it. With the, it goes on forever. It, yeah, it's like dragging out a joke after you've already said the punchline. Yeah, yeah. He rigs this mannequin with dynamite, and then uh, finally, and then there's this scene where he's using the woman, and Chad's t- written a script for her to try to say things that are that are <laughs> that are incendiary. To, to Robert Latire to try to get him to blow her up, blow the mannequin up. And, and then it's just not working. Um, but finally he destroys the mannequin head, but the dynamite on the mannequin doesn't explode. And it's taken like 15 minutes to get this far. It really has. It just drags and drags. And this is where the, the last spectator, the last audience member, the guy in the wheelchair comes out and tells Chad that, you know, you need to hurry up. This is this is taking too long. So you know he's poking fun at himself. You know, right. like and kind of playing into the whole thing. The audience member comes in and goes, "Hey, let's speed this thing up a little bit. Let's move forward." <laughs> this is a director I, that's aware of what's happening. Very aware. Um, I I also like the suggestions of how they could kill the tire. He's like, just go in there uh, with a flamethrower. And just burn it, you know, just destroy it. Let's get let's get this over with. He also says something about like freezing it. He's like, go freeze it. Yeah, yeah. He says yeah, that too. It, it, I don't know. He he know. I mean, he knows how these things should end, and they just keep dragging it out. And I I just love the sheriff. Just gets frustrated. Just goes in there, and shoots it with a shotgun off screen, and brings out Robert's corpse essentially, which is just a shredded up tire from a shotgun blast, and throws it at the. Uh, at the old man's feet. And you think that's it. Like, honestly, I was like, well, that's the end of the movie. Like that's, you know, it, it starts just as it, it kind of built up to like, it's just nothing, it, nothing, no reason. Anticlimactic. No right. It is what but, it is. You just, this is, I think initially the first time I saw why I was going, why did I just waste 85 minutes? <laughs> You're going to show him die off screen. <laughs> we want to see. I mean, he's been blowing people up all movie. Like, yeah. don't, I want to see Robert get blown up, even though it's just rubber. It would be gratifying. It's, it's a fitting end of the story. Justice. So yeah, we, we don't think get it's it. over, but it's not. 
the tricycle where is the, where does the tricycle come from i can't remember it just rolls out of the trailer home so after he gets blown up like all that emerges is, is what we assume to be robert now reincarnated as a tricycle and even the guy in the wheelchair is like he's like it's reincarnated <laughs> it's reincarnated <laughs> So <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And then and, he's, well, and, and I love how, how he reasons with it too, where he's like, Hey, I'm just watching. Yeah. I'm, he not, goes, I'm not a character. Exactly. I'm not a character in this. I'm just a spectator. I'm an audience member. And then he gets his head. He gets entirely blown up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like one more, just like, fuck you to the audience. Just like, I just, I hate you. I don't care what you think at this point. <laughs> One more critic. Everyone's a critic. And then I love the tires all rising up, all the different tires rising up off out of the dirt. Now, these shots, everything was, was, like I said, I think it was made really nicely. I thought he did a good job making the film and, and putting it together. But these last shots of Rob, Robert rolling down the road and recruiting his army of tires, like, <laughs> it took forever. Forever. And each shot went on for like 10 to 20 seconds. Cut each one of those in half and maybe, maybe we're getting close to where it should be at. I call that a, in film, in my personal filmmaking terms, I call that a PJ. That's a PJ. A short, PJ? Short for Peter Jackson. Ah, yep. It is. It's almost like you have these, because they were like, they were gorgeous shots. They were shot very well. It's almost like he had these and he wasn't about to let them all go to waste. Well, I just, and that's what I mean. It's like you have an ending and then you're like, okay, that's what it is. And then it keeps going about two, three, four, five minutes. Yeah. And then yep. you have an ending and then the credits pop up and you go, okay, that's it. And then the next thing you know, it's still rolling. And finally they roll to the hills of Hollywood. And that's finally where the film concludes. Right. Now, I know exactly how long it takes to get from Palmdale to Hollywood because that was my commute. <laughs> <laughs> from my, my driveway in Palmdale to my parking spot at the school, 55.3 miles. And Alan, you take, this is for the California listeners, you take the 14 to the 5 to the 170 to the 101. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he did that. That's 55.3 miles. So they had to roll pretty far and they had to travel through the valley. And it's a big commute, man. There's a lot of cars. That's the, that's, 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 uh, I-5. But I, I can't imagine you've ever done it by tricycle though. So that, that's gotta be days, days, <laughs> days, exactly. Possibly a couple of weeks. I don't know. I did like it. And I liked that they ended up at Hollywood. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, I'm, and maybe we're hanging on to this, but maybe you have something there in your interpretation. Maybe there's something he's saying about the system. Uh, why else end in Hollywood? What other, what other rhyme, what other reason do you have to end it at the Hollywood sign? Right, because that's a very distinct place. It's not just like a, they didn't just end up at a, in a city. They didn't just end up you know somewhere. It, it's a very distinct place. And just the fact that this whole thing was a movie within a movie kind of tells me that there's something going on. That's why I, I kept just racking my brain trying to really understand what he's trying to say. But then I kind of kicked myself because it's like, no, they straight up told you 
There's no reason. Like that's the whole. That's a mission statement laid out from the beginning. There's no reason. I think, uh, yeah, and and that's it. Like, there's no. I mean, there's comparisons there. I think uh, it's it's got the monster esque vibe of like we talked about some kind of being or thing that comes alive and murders people, right? For almost no rhyme or reason. I mean, oftentimes in horror films, in those true horror film sense, like things will start murdering or killing and there's no reason. It doesn't even, it's not even vindication or retribution or whatever it is. It just random acts of murder. Right. And I think it has that essence. I think comically it's done funny in the sense that it's a satire and you're following some of those tropes that you see in horror films. But um, tell me, tell me a little bit about your... Not your rating quite yet, but just your your overall summary of what you liked best in terms of the technical side, the editing, the filming, the cinematography, the act, whatever it is. Give me a little bit of that, and then and then um, kind of give me an overall summation of the film and how you would recommend it for other people. Okay, technically, I think it's done very very well. It almost feels I don't know if you got this sense, but it almost felt felt to me like it was shot. On like the old Mark Five or the old Mark Three Five D, it didn't feel like it was a real cinematic camera or cinematic lenses. It almost felt like stuff you'd see shot on YouTube. But with that said, it was shot very, very well, and they utilized their tools very, very effectively. I thought technically it was outstanding. The story is just where it falls apart, and I, I really, if they would have stuck with Robert and maybe turned it more into a little bit of a horror film, I think I would have. I mean, this could have bumped up my rating two whole ratings. Like it would have been much better. I think I, I would have, I like, again, I like the idea of the audience being there. I just wish that was more of a backdrop. I, I don't, I didn't like it when it became the story. Are you sure it's not just because you're such a horror purist? Dude, that's total. I, there's no, that's exactly what it is. Like I, I, I love horror movies and I wanted it to be more of a horror movie. For sure. Yeah, you were yearning, like we talked about, for more blood, more gore, and more traditional aspects to horror. Well, have you seen any of the any of the movie posters? They're all they all resemble as if it's a horror movie. Yeah, I saw all the French them. release poster, which is a poster of a tire with blood marks on it, and then people in front of it. But it looks very seventies horror vibe in yeah. terms of the design. Um, and then I saw another one that, that yeah, they, they all kind of resemble, uh, not to be stereotypical, but they all kind of resemble some of those looks and designs of what you see in a horror poster. Right. So I, it feels like it. And the trailer plays like a horror movie as well. So uh, I definitely, seeing those things before rewatching it this time, definitely kind of soured me on a little bit. I would have liked, it's there. Like the whole horror story is there where you have like the Michael Myers-esque character who kills for no reason. You can't reason with it, can't understand it. You have the final girl with that, the French girl who's like the Laurie Strode uh, in Halloween. Like you, you have all of these elements that could build up to that. And I think the way they, they portrayed Robert was very, very good. For, it's an, an inanimate object. And I was more interested in Robert than any other character in this movie. So I think they had all the elements there to make it like... Still keep it quirky, still keep it weird, still keep it with the no reason thing, but I think they could have absolutely made it better. 
What did you think about it being so this it, it had a, a, a premiere at one of the biggest film festivals in the world? It was a can, uh, right? Can. Yeah. And man, that's crazy. And apparently from the research I've done and kind of looked at some of the readings, it got pretty good reviews critically and otherwise. And I wonder if filmmakers and people in the industry admired it for the fact that it's poking fun at certain things intentionally and probably does that. I think, I mean, from that perspective, it does it pretty well. And even if it's not poking fun, I still think it's fun just to kind of enjoy something that's kind of a non sequitur. Like it just doesn't, it's, it's so different from all the stuff we movie buffs usually watch. I think there's something fun about that too. Yeah. And I think that to me is what, what drew me in this second time, as I alluded to before, I wasn't sure about it the first time and I walked out going, eh, but I think this time, not that my rating probably bumped up dramatically, but like you just said, I think there's more of an appreciation of like, I'm going to try something far beyond the, the normal. <laughs> and, right. and, and, and because we, I think we even talked about this a little bit last time, even though it's a completely different film in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, but there's, there's always a line you can draw. And if you, it, it's a fine line. You can take an idea like this and go, I'm going to do this and then completely just obliterate it and bomb. And I don't think he does that. I think he takes the idea and is very self-aware of what's happening and, and, and executes well, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and I, I think it's almost in stark contrast to Killing of a Sacred Deer because that movie, the story was so good that it overshadowed any... <clears throat> Any uh, any technical issues or, or any the act you know the acting's really flat. The story was so good that it overshadowed everything else. Whereas this, the technical stuff is so good, but the story is so lacking. And I think times. that goes back to the setup, which is if you have a story with no reason, like and you're pointing that out from the beginning, the only thing that you have to cling on to is style. And the style's really good. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And so stylistically, uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I enjoyed it as well. Um, give me, uh, I don't know if you have any tidbits or any little pieces of trivia that you found interesting. I've got a couple here. I've got, uh, the one that really stuck out to me was uh, when they were, he, he got, <laughs> I guess he got tired of, of shooting a story about a tire, a killer tire. So from what I understand, and I could be misinterpreting what I read, they kind of added the other stuff. Um, and then they also added the, uh, the, the monologue at the beginning talking about no reason because he didn't want to have to explain how Robert came to life, which I thought was kind of funny. I like that, though. I, don't, I, I wouldn't have needed to know his origin story. I don't need to know his where they got went to the, got the rubber trees in Brazil or right, exactly. or Africa, wherever they get those trees. I don't know. I'm acting like I know. I don't know. But yeah, I don't need to know that origin story. No, I don't think so at all. And uh, I'm not, I, even without that, that monologue, I don't think I would care to know. I mean, the world is, is already built absurd enough. You can just believe it. I, I, I did a little research in that same vein. And one of the things I found interesting was that Dupois, the director, said, he was determined that this was the wrong, the wrong approach was that there's nothing evil about a tire based partly on early camera tests. So he was trying out things and figuring out how to make and villainize a tire. And he realized 
oh, there's not... <laughs> he's in the middle of preparation of a film, and he's like, ah, oh, there's really nothing evil about a tire. <laughs> and I just think, did he not know that before? <laughs> this might have been the first thing to check off your list to make sure you could make a tire evil. But here's what I like about what it said is that he reworked it so he was more like a, a, a stupid dog. He was unaware. It's like Frankenstein. You know, you like look at Frankenstein and he's just this huge creature who's ultimately has very little intellect, but has a certain power or strength and that carries him. And I think this is similar where you have a, a tire that is not, but the way they make it and they build it, it's kind of like a, a, dumb thing with the power see i didn't i didn't view robert that way i viewed him as not super intelligent but i mean he's certainly smart enough to to want vengeance for his his burned brothers and to want vengeance for the guy who uh who, who hit him while he was on the road you know like he he definitely he, he's i think he's got motivations and i think he's smart enough to do that whereas frankenstein just kind of lumbers around and does whatever Oh, I think that is exactly what Robert is. He just lumbers around and he follows a woman. He, he goes up to people. They say things that he can somehow comprehend. And then he blows their head up. <laughs> he didn't kill the kid, though. The kid threw a, a can at him. And I thought for sure he was going to murder him, but he didn't. Hey, well, there you go. Frankenstein didn't kill the little girl. That's true. You know what? Maybe he's a maybe it's an homage to Frankenstein. In the in the research, he also said that during the time of preparation that Wally -E, Disney Pixar's Wally -E came out, and that was uh, influence on the character for Robert, <laughs> particularly the first act because not a lot's going on and like it's just an inanimate. Well, I mean Wally's -E a robot, but do you know what I mean? Like that apparently yeah. was some kind of motivation for him to write. Well, and there's there's it's storytelling with with no dialogue, right? Yeah, exactly. So the film was, uh, like I said, uh, did, did well at Cannes. Um, uh, people liked it up so much that he got U.S. distribution. That's a big deal. Uh, Magnet Releasing picked it up, and then uh, it got released here in the States. Um, it also was shown at the Toronto Film Festival, the After Dark Film Festival, and that's pretty big. Fang here you, uh, Fangoria Magazine stated the film deeply split the audience reaction saying that rubber earned huge laughs and applause as well as only the booze heard from uh, by the fango at the fest. So it was a mixture. <laughs> it was a mixture of both laughs and applause and booze. So give me a little, give me a little bit of your, give me your rating and kind of where you sit down. Well, first of all, I don't think I would laugh. I don't think I would applaud or boo it. I don't think it, it, deserves either reaction to be honest with you <laughs> it's uh it's fun and it's definitely i think people should watch it i don't think it's good but i think i think people should watch it because it is a memorable movie um i i'm gonna give it i'm gonna bump it up a little bit higher just because i really love how they humanized attire and i really love the tech the technical aspects of this movie and I'm going to actually be the, the film apologist on this one and say, you know what? They did it. Yeah, because it does feel like like film students with a five mark, five D mark three out in the desert shooting stuff at times. Um, obviously, it's not. But so I'm going to go six point five eclairs. Poisoned eclairs. 
6.5. That's that's actually a little higher than I think I would have guessed for you. Well, and again, you know, I was probably going to come in like 5.8 before, but then I started thinking about how I really did enjoy the effects of Robert and how they moved him around. And I love to, I would love to learn how they, how they manipulated him because that was really cool. Well, you know, based on the little research, like you mentioned, they did some remote testing with actual uh, remote um, mechanics, but they also did some CGI apparently. So. Oh, interesting. Well, I, I can imagine the CGI when he's, when he's vibrating, getting ready to blow someone up. I think, uh, you know, once again, similar to you, for a half a million dollars, this is a really well put together film. From the technical standpoint, I mean, the story is what it is. I think it's a creative story. I mean, I don't think I'm going to go into something going, I'm going to make a horror satire about a tire that kills people. I did like uh, the, the poking fun at itself. I did like the creative approach of uh, creating a story that is satirically uh, based in horror and fun and creative that way. And I think he did a great job executing it. I like the tagline too on one of the posters. You were mentioning the posters and they are cool. One poster has a bunch of dead bodies behind it with tire marks and heads ripped off <laughs> and a bloody tire. <laughs> and it says the best killer tire movie you'll ever see. <laughs> That's true. And it's truth in advertising. That's how I would sum it up for me, which is, he's right. It is the best killer tire movie I'll ever see. Because it's the last one I'll ever see. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's well done. Applause to the director. I think as a filmmaker, he's really, really good. Here's another one that says, the tagline is, are you tired of the expected? <laughs> nice. I don't think there's any doubting this guy's creativity. Right. Um, no doubt. On the other side of that, I will say it's not one I need to rewatch. I've seen it now twice, more recently now, and uh, I probably never need to see it again. <laughs> what was your reaction when we decided to go with this one? Uh, well, it, it, we were texting and I said, I've seen it. You said rubber was amongst the suggestions. You said, I've seen it. And I, or I said, I've seen it. Let's do that one. I just need to rewatch it. Uh, and I was okay with it. Although I do recall going, eh, yeah. <laughs> see, well, well, CD and thanks again, CD for this suggestion. He gave, he gave a, a, a bunch of suggestions and there, oh, there were good ones. ones too. There were good ones in there. I saw there were some really yeah. good ones. Yeah, there but were. When it's left up to me, I'm going to pick the weirdest shit out there because that's what I do. So I had to go with the, the wildest, wackiest, weirdest one I could find. Yeah, and I like that. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, part of the tagline of this podcast is like indie films, art house films, you know, first time directors. This is definitely an indie film. Like there's no question. It was built for sure and, and produced uh, outside of any studio system. And it was not even probably didn't even have distribution when they started making it. So it's definitely an indie film. So for that, I was, I mean, I like that. Here's the thing for me on the, on the summary. I would watch his other movies. So if he comes out and I haven't, I know he's made others. I, I would be, because he's good at making movies, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I will watch his other stuff. 
And I also don't pigeonhole people. The, the truth be told, I know that he can execute. So if he tried something different that wasn't satirical horror and was more what we might call traditional or just kind of streamlined horror, I would watch that. Or if he tried something comical or something dramatic, I would watch those films that he made because I think as a filmmaker, he's good. So we got IMDb. IMDb is at 5.8 uh, out of 10 on their rating. That's about right, I'd say. And it looks like Rotten Tomatoes comes in at a 69% from the critics and a 46% from the audience. So I'm not surprised by the audience score. I am surprised by the critic score. Um, I'd love to know. I, I actually should have done this before we started recording. I want to read some of the, the critiques of it because I want to know what they really see in this. I like to read. I always like to read a couple of them, the, the beginnings of them. And, and here's what's interesting. Here's a couple like of the critics from Rotten Tomatoes, just their quick summaries, right? This one certified fresh says sometimes life has no reason. And then the movie about a malevolent uh, telekinetic tire gets into full swing. Fun times. <laughs> well, and, and, and I will say that. Here's, here's the opposite to that. It offers a lame one joke premise. I can understand that. Uh, I can follow that. I, I just, to me, it's more, the, the, the Robert storyline is more than just one joke premise. Like it's, I think it's good. Like Here, here's they, the one that I agree with. And then I'm going to give you my rating. Here's the one. Uh, Arizona Republic. That's the newspaper. He okay. says, your enjoyment of the French filmmaker Quentin Dupois movie depends in large part on your capacity to enjoy the absurd. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I don't know that I would align entirely with that, but I would say that's pretty fair. I mean, you have to be willing to accept the absurd. And I think he sets the stage immediately for that. So I don't think there's any, if, if there's any confusion after the first 10 minutes about what this film's going to do right, for you, right. then you're an idiot if you haven't figured it out. <laughs> exactly. So um, 46 from the audience, 69 from the critics. I'm going to come in kind of on my rating, kind of in the middle, probably closer to where those IMDb are. Um, I'm going to give it a little bit of a bump technically as a filmmaker, like the things we've talked about. I don't think the acting was tremendous. And I mean everything outside of Robert the Tire. Um, right. Robert the Tire was good. I didn't think the acting was great, but I think the direction was good. I'm going to give it a, a, an extra half a point. I was actually going to come in at 5.8 like IMDb. I'm going to go 6.3. Ooh, we're, we're way close. This is the third week in a row I think I've, I've rated it higher than you. He got a half a point because I like him as a director. See, me too. Same thing. I, 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 that bumped it up for me for sure. Uh, and again, thanks to CD, my buddy CD Reddish. Uh, his podcast is Messing with Mormons. Check it out. It's fun. It's not, it's not at all uh, mean towards Mormons. Uh, we just, we live in Salt Lake City and they're not LDS. So that's what they named it. It's actually a lot of fun. I've been on a couple times and it, it's a lot of fun. Those are great guys over there. So check out their podcast. Thanks, CD. This is, this is a fun one to do. That's great. Appreciate the, uh, the recommendation. Happy to have done it. I know I don't need to see rubber again, though, so I'm good. <laughs> CD's pissed at me because I chose the one movie that's that's probably not great on his list. 
Yeah, his list was really good. There's no. It really question. was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like going with rubber too because, like you, like we talked about, it's it's an, there's, we want to do indie and art house, something a little different. So go check us out at tameaperture.com. Look at our past episodes, uh, and also uh, join us at tameaperture.com to give us uh, some suggestions on future episodes. This is Gabe and Alan signing out for Rubber, the Tame Aperture Podcast. Until next time, guys, take care. Tame Aperture Podcast is produced by Dutch Angle Pictures in association with Studio B Productions. Listen, watch, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube.